Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is during quarantine o'clock. I hope you all are doing well, and thank you so much for joining us on this special episode of the Locked On Flames and Winnipeg Jets Super Series preceding the playoff round that's coming up between the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's special episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am joined by Sean and Jessica from the Locked on Flame show. They're going to be walking us through some of the uh, early stuff between the Calgary Flames and the Jets, as well as giving us a bit of an update on how the Calgary Flames are doing. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to check us out uh, at Locked on Flames and Locked on Winnipeg Jets, respectively. So, uh, thanks so much for listening. And Sean and Jessica, uh, to get us kind of kicked off on this wonderful episode, I wanted to check in with how the Flames are doing because I think most of my listeners get very bored about hearing about how the Winnipeg Jets are doing. So I thought I would kind of walk us through the Flames because from my perspective, things are a little bit unsure with the Flames. I know that they're sort of having a a bit of an average season, but I kind of wanted to get a little bit more of a sense of how they're doing. So, uh, you know, who wants to, I guess, open up with how the Flames are doing? Sean, do you want to take this one? I'll take this one. Harrison, I hope you have a lot of time because the Flames this season have kind of been doing everything. Like they've they've checked probably every box you could in a season. They've had stretches of good. They've had stretches of bad. They had a huge off-ice scandal, which, you know, dominated headlines for a couple weeks. Like they've basically done everything. And then if we go past the um, global pandemic and jump to right now, you're right. There are a lot of questions right now. So um, I would say the Flames have kind of been doing everything. There is definitely reason to question the Flames right now, if you're um, a Jets fan for sure. They don't really know who their starting goalie is right now, or maybe they do, but they haven't announced anything. So as as the Locked On Flames host, Jess and I have no idea who the Flames are going to be starting in net, which is always, you know, an important factor in a playoff game. Um, So I guess the way I would put it is the Flames are kind of doing everything. Talk about the uh, little bit of the off-ice scandal, if somebody wants to address that, because I actually am not super familiar with that. So it was the Bill Peters scandal with um, alleged abuse, I believe. Honestly, Uh, it feels like 42 years ago at this point, um, which was basically the one of the many dominoes that fell in the, um, I don't want to call it the Me Too movement of hockey because that like, it diminishes the original movement, but uh, it brought a lot of situations to light that were just absolutely disgusting and, you know, part of the hockey culture revolution, I believe. It's strange because I actually had totally forgotten that that was this season. Again, you're right, it does feel like 42 years ago somehow. I Honestly, if you ask me what happened prior to the break, uh, especially as far as uh, on off-ice performance stuff is concerned, that feels like a long, long, long time ago. It really does, especially like, I mean, I was just thinking about um, Mike Babcock being fired, and I couldn't believe that that was this season. Over in Toronto, I was like, wow, that was uh, that was like October, November. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, wow. All right, so that's, <laughs> I think that that kind of says a lot about how people are feeling about the NHL season, is that most of us can't even remember what part of the year and what part of the timeline things have happened. Yeah. As far as, though, like, the Flames are concerned, 
do you guys have any like standout players uh, either for the right reasons or do you think there are some guys who maybe are struggling for the wrong reasons? Well, Harrison, I'll start out and I'll try and start with the positive because one of the big storylines for this year would be the Stars and the Flames and Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan specifically, I think would be the first two names that would come to mind. Uh, they definitely struggled this regular season. And after, you know, a poor playoffs last year, which feels like three years ago against the Avalanche, um, they didn't follow it up with a necessarily great regular season effort. So in terms of the negative, um, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll deal with that later, but I'll start with the positive. Matthew Kachuk, I think really made a gigantic step this year. He was leading the Flames in points, um, when the season was paused, and he only had 61, which when you compare it to the Jets' offensive st- statistics, you know, it's not too great. Only 61 points. I believe it was four Jets that had over 70, if I remember correctly. So, um, but regardless of the points, Matthew Kachuk was doing so much more than putting up points. He's really become, I believe, this season the heartbeat of the Flames. Uh, Mark Giordano is definitely the captain. He's definitely still the leader. But in terms of the like kind of the heartbeat of the team, the guy who's going to get you going every single night, regardless of if it's the Tuesday night against the Wild, uh, Matthew Kachuk will show up and he will be there. So um, this season, you know, it's great for him to finish or to lead the team in points uh, when the season was paused. I don't know if that's what you want Kachuk to be doing, uh, because then that obviously means Goudreau and Monaghan aren't doing too well. Uh, but this season, he did a he took a really positive step, I think. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. And, you know, I think I'm going to go with Cam Talbot because, you know, when, like, as a backup goalie, you aren't really expected to go on those long stretches and have success, especially when, you know, there's no, like, you're, like you're, your starting goalie isn't out because of an injury. He's just benched because he stinks. Or, or is struggling. As Jets fans, we can all attest to understanding exactly what uh, what poor goaltending in the modern era means, although I think a lot <laughs> of Jets fans probably still hold something of a candle for Andre Pavlik for some ungodly reason. Hmm. So we've talked about some of like the guys who are doing well, mm-hmm. but we always love a juicy storyline about the players who are are struggling for one reason or another. And I think in some cases we have folks this year more than any other season with with dealing with some personal issues. But as far as just like raw on ice performance is concerned, what players were you kind of hoping for a little bit more from? And I think you alluded to at least one of them already. Well, it's definitely, it has to be Johnny Gaudreau. Like the guy had 99 points last season. And this year he was on pace for just 67 points had he played you know a full 82 game schedule. Uh, Monaghan on the same pace, 56 points, right? So that's not good enough at all. It's not even close to good enough for either Goudreau or Monaghan who have both shown on over long stretches of time um, that they can do much better than that. So um, it's Goudreau and it's Monaghan right away. If you want to look elsewhere, I mean, David Riddick started the, as the Flames' first-half goalie. Um, he's probably the MVP in the first half of the season for the Flames. And then in the second half, um, as Jess mentioned, Cam Talbot really took over and, and did quite well, literally from January 1st onwards. Um, Cam Talbot did much better than David Riddick. But, you know, it's the superstars that we're watching going into the Jets series here. And I think there's a lot on the line here for Johnny Goudreau in this series against the Jets. Now, it's tougher, Harrison. We've had this discussion on Locked On Flames. With it being a best-of-five as opposed to a best-of-seven, um, how much can you really, you know, put weight on this series? Like if Johnny Goudreau came out and didn't do very well in a best of five against the Jets, it would be a third straight, you know, poor playoff performance for him. But 
you know, are the repercussions as severe just because it is a best of five series? Like, can we really put that much weight into it? Uh, but the spotlight's definitely on him uh, going into August 1st. Definitely. Uh, I think that, you know, Sean, you hit the nail on the head there. And it's very easy for really everybody to put Gaudreau under a microscope. And under normal circumstances, I would say, yes, put him under there, overanalyze everything. But we are quite literally in the midst of a global pandemic. <laughs> trying to make hockey work, but I am looking forward to seeing if he performs and what he does. I think for a lot of us, we're all kind of a little bit leery about reading too much into short sample sizes, especially a sample size where it's basically going to be preseason, except it actually counts. So yeah. that's a that's a fun aspect to consider. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to take a look at, you know, we've kind of gone through the Calgary Flame season and, and what they were doing heading up into the postseason. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts in just a moment about what you think about the Jets and where they are. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of walk us through a little bit of some of the stuff as we have a conversation about, you know, maybe some storylines about the Jets uh, being a little bit uh, under the weather, so to speak. Before moving on to our next segment, I wanted to give a huge shout out to our wonderful title sponsors at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Whether you're an amateur DIYer or an experienced automotive mechanic, the prices are always the same no matter what your experience level. If you're like me and not exactly an automotive expert but still need to find the exact parts you need, RockAuto.com has your back. Their easy-to-use and intuitive website allows you to filter by make, year, model, manufacturer, and price range for the parts you want to pay so you'll always get the best deal. Better yet, rockauto.com can save you anywhere from 20 to 30, 40, even 50% off pricing from retail brick-and-mortar auto parts stores. Whether you need a new engine control module or a new floor mat after your most recent defeat against that greasy taco, rockauto.com has exactly what you need in stock. If you place an order, be sure to write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Welcome back. I hope you guys had a quick, uh, quick cold one or a coffee, if you prefer, at this hour, whatever time of day you're listening to us. Thank you so much. We are joined by Sean and Jessica from Locked On Flames, and we've gone through earlier in the show how the Flames are doing, what they were doing leading up to this upcoming postseason play-in series, which I, I don't even know if to call it like a play-in series or round robin. I'm pretty sure the round robin are for the teams that are already in and were considered the uh, the lost middle children of of the NHL playoffs, but you know, I just wanted to run by you guys. What do you think of the Jets and and what kinds of players from Winnipeg, Calgary might have to worry about? I would say their blue line and really goaltending. Kind of uh, intimidating going into the series with a cohesive, like, I feel like Winnipeg has a much more cohesive unit um, overall. And the Flames are going to have to figure out how to work around their their flaws, if you will. You know, Harrison, to me, the Jets are – they're a scary team. And the, the series, the Jets-Flames series on paper looks so even and, and so tough to call. But um, 
the Jets are scary to me as a, as a Flames observer. Um, as I mentioned, they had the Flames just had one guy with 60 points this year, and that was Matthew Kachuk. The Jets had 60, or sorry, they had four guys with more than 60 points, uh, two of them even hitting above 70. Um, Jess mentioned the defense. The defense to me in Winnipeg isn't as intimidating um, as I think Jess has it, but that's just in my opinion. I, Josh Morrissey obviously is their lead dog there. Um, I don't know if he is the kind of guy to be your number one defenseman rock solid in the playoffs. He's obviously very good, but you know, in the playoffs, it's all about what's behind that first line or that first pairing. Um, and to me, the flames, I think have the edge in terms of depth roles. So let's look at, you know, the, the flames and the jets third and fourth offensive lines. I think Calgary kind of has an edge there um, in terms of the second and third defensive pairings. I think Calgary also might have uh, the edge there. Um, in terms of the top tier talent, you know, I'm probably going to give the edge to Winnipeg. Um, so I wonder how much of this series is going to be dependent upon the result being dependent upon what happens with the depth players, both offensively and defensively. Um, because as of now, the way I see it on paper, uh, I think Calgary has the edge, like I said, in, in terms of the lower offensive and defensive uh, pairings. It's kind of interesting because this season for the Jets, you know, characteristically and historically, they were always a very strong defensive team. And, you know, 2017-18, which feels like millennia ago for Jets fans, because not just because of COVID, but because we've had a lot of suckage in between. Uh that that miracle dream run was driven by a really good resolute back end and like a ridiculously stacked offense. And we are quite far from those days Uh, right now, actually in the second line, the current second line for the jets is Nick Ehlers, Cody Eakin and Patrick line, which I I just, yeah, that's, that's how the season has been. Right. So the top six on paper seems like it should be good. And yet the jets are kind of stuck in a little bit of neutral and where it gets really interesting is I actually think Winnipeg's bottom six, some of the guys should be moved around a little bit because I feel like, you know, guys like Cody Eakin are maybe more suited to like a third or a fourth line role. And we don't have a second line center with Brian Little out. We've got spare parts filling in those roles. And if you have to choose one of your depth players to elevate to a higher role, you know, a guy like Andrew Kopp, who is capable enough at doing that kind of stuff, being an effective four checker and a decent puck distributor, Seems like he should be playing more, but then I think right now Paul or Paul Maurice has them, you know, Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp and Jack Rostovic all playing on one line. And I forget what the fourth line even is at this point. It's a, it's a total wash at this point. And I feel like the Jets defense. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck has been very busy this season is all yeah. I'll say on that one. Um, and actually, you know, comparing the goaltending, I think is one of the big things in this series that I feel like favors the Jets. But what have you guys thought about, I guess, the combo of, of Talbot and Riddick? I know, Jessica, you talked a little bit about uh, Talbot performing pretty decently. But how do you feel against a guy who is a Vezina finalist? Um, you know, not very confident. I feel like it puts the Flames at a disadvantage. And they're just in two completely different leagues when it comes to goaltending. And I know that this is further down the line, but I hope it's something that they can figure out in the off season and free agency. And maybe that's what it's going to take to get them to be taken a little bit more seriously. <laughs> so in terms of goaltending for me, Harrison, you know, with Hellebuck being a Vesna finalist, one of the three best goalies in the league, and he's probably got a pretty good chance of coming away with the Vesna trophy. I'm not sure how much that kind of matters after four months off. Um, 
and the same thing goes exactly for Riddick and Talbot. You know, they both had their stretches in the regular season where they played well, but, you know, they've had four months off now. So it's almost like we're kind of restarting, I feel like, in a new season um, where the individual award winners, like Hellebuck perhaps winning a Besna, um, that feels like you could literally say that was last season, and even though it was just in this past regular season. So um, I feel like everyone's kind of starting on a fresh new slate. All the stats are back at zero. Everyone's starting at zero games played. The one thing where I think Winnipeg has the edge in this goaltending category would just be the fact that they simply, you know, they know who's going to start. It's going to be Connor Hellebuck, right? Whereas the Flames are flip-flopping. And in in terms of training camp, or I guess summer camp, summer training camp, Cam Talbot, he didn't, you know, earn any progress to being the number one goalie, but he definitely, you know, at least held a conversation. And and right now it is 50-50. David Riddick had one of those, the Flames had three intra-squad scrimmages, and in one of those, Riddick had five goals against. Uh, And Jess and I harp that we can't read too much into an intra-squad scrimmage, but I don't think Riddick necessarily did himself any favors this summer training camp, if that makes sense. So um, in terms of goaltending, and I guess this expands out to the whole roster in forwards and defensemen as well, everyone's kind of starting fresh. Um, It's a new season, you could say, in a way after so much time off. Uh, but just the fact that the Jets have so much confidence in Hellebuck and they already know who's going to be starting game one. I think that that helps a lot. And it kind of, you know, you, you're allowed to look elsewhere now in terms of areas that you need to address or work on. Meanwhile, the Flames are, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be their starting goalie. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that is a generally odd theme that's going to permeate this playoffs is I don't really know how much to rely on previous data. I mean, a lot of it is going to end up being irrelevant anyways, just because, you know, it's the playoffs. Chaos always reigns, and you're in very short series. But these guys are going to be rusty as heck. I mean, they're they're barely training because they couldn't train for weeks, months leading up to this postseason. They're just getting back into camps over the past couple of weeks, and you know they're having to chirp themselves or chirp other teams as they're walking through bubble hotels and whatnot to try and get themselves psyched up. Meanwhile, you know, there's probably an ever-present fear that you might just get COVID. So that's, that's probably not really uh, an environment conducive to hockey, in my opinion. But, hey, we're, I guess it's back. <laughs> that's all I can say is I guess hockey is back. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on our show, too, about obviously trying to make hockey work. And, you know, you're in a bubble. And, I mean, we, I don't know if you guys follow baseball at all, but uh, the MLB basically just – canceled a bunch of games because um, the Miami Marlins have had 14 players and coaches or people within their organization test positive for COVID. And I don't think that would happen in the bubble because, you know, you're not traveling and exposing yourself to all that. So hopefully the bubble life is where it's at. Yeah, as an Orioles fan, I was all too keenly aware about the Marlins thing, and I was like, I was already kind of freaking out because it came out yesterday or the day before that they had like four positive cases, and I'm thinking, ah, ah that's tomorrow's game. Uh, so that's great. That's not worrying, <laughs> um, just on a personal level. But yeah, you know, I think it's uh, of the sports leagues, you know, I think the National Women's Soccer League did it really well, and they haven't had, mm. I don't think, I think they've had zero positives, which is nuts. Uh MLS, for whatever it is, it's fine. They're doing their thing. Although I think they actually had teams drop out ahead of time, so maybe I can't give them too much credit. Um, But the NHL, yeah. I mean, for the world's dumbest league at times, they seem to have have their poop together. So I feel like... Somebody posted... Oh, sorry. Um, 
somebody posted a picture of their dinner and um, like a fan captioned it and they were like, yeah, there's no way they're leaving the bubble. These looked like the most delicious chicken wings I'd, I've ever seen. So, I mean, if that's what's being served, I wouldn't leave the bubble either. Well, now we can all dream of chicken wings that are, <laughs> are, are, are sticking yourself in quarantine worthy as we talk yes. about our, uh, our final segment on the night, uh, which will just be coming up in a moment. We're going to talk about, you know, some opt-outs, which I think Calgary is actually dealing with, and ultimately for the Flames, who you want to step into those roles and take their places and ultimately assume a lot more responsibility because, you know, I think this is a situation where there's a lot of fragility. Roster rotation is going to be probably pretty important as they sort of sprint down this final stretch. Um, And ultimately, who knows, maybe one of these teams is going to be a cup contender. All right, closing this out. I hope you all have enjoyed this special crossover episode, just the first of three. We've gone through how the Flames and Jets both were doing before they uh, started entering this new COVID bubble and ultimately, or I should say COVID-free bubble, heaven forbid they have COVID in the bubble. Uh, And they're sort of getting ready for this play-in series for a last shot at really a weird cup win that is probably always going to go with some, I guess, uh, little, little marks at the end. But hey, it's the postseason. We're here. We're loving it. We're living it. Uh, but actually, there are a couple of players who are not really loving it and living it because they've opted out. Um, so as far as the Flames are concerned, who has opted out for uh, the rest of this postseason? Well, Harrison, the big name in um, the Flames that opted out is Travis Hamanick. Uh, they're um, like a stellar defenseman. Um, it is a big loss for the Flames on the blue line. And in terms of the ripple effect that it did kind of have, um, I think it's going to be slack being picked up by everyone. And that includes the first pairing and Mark Giordano and TJ Brody, who, you know, you wouldn't normally think would be affected by losing someone like Hamannick, but uh, the flames third pairing, I think really suffers just, you know, depth all around in the blue line suffers when you lose someone like Travis Hamannick. So um, slack's going to be picked up everywhere. I would include Giordano and Brody in the flames first pairing in that conversation. The one, if you wanted to clue into one individual player who I think is really going to have to, um, work harder and play better and you know it's going to be relied upon much more is Rasmus Anderson uh, and he's a younger guy who's proven he's done very well in the NHL so far and he's he's proven a lot of good things um, but this is going to be a big task for him you know pressure is going to be on him in the playoffs I guess quote-unquote the playoffs uh, here against the Jets and it's going to be a big series for him because the matchups he's going to be seeing I think uh, in terms of you know who's going to be coming down on him from the Jets is I don't think it's going to be um, any small task at all so uh, Rasmus Anderson is probably the one one individual um, that would be affected most by Travis Hamnick opting out. But like I said, the slack's going to be have to be picked up by everyone, including uh, Giordano, Brody, someone like Noah Hannafin as well, another young guy who the Flames are going to have to rely upon more. And then the third pairing, you know, that's kind of where things get a little murky. Uh, you have Eric Gustafsson and Derek Forbort, who I don't think either of them are going to be relied upon too much. So the Flames top four on the blue line um, might see a lot more ice time than they otherwise would have. And I, I kind of think looking at some of their young, younger players and prospects, one name that I did see people talking about a little bit was Oliver Shillington. Um, and I am biased because I like Shillington a lot, but mm-hmm. do, do you think that he tends to actually factor into this lineup, especially because I think Winnipeg and Calgary in, in a lot of respects, we've got a lot of depth defensemen and that's kind of one of the uh, issues with the Jets in particular is that their top six and starting rotation are like half depth defensemen and like an injured Josh Morrissey, everything's great. 
um, as far as the Jets are concerned. But like the Flames have a lot more depth to work from aside from, you know, Rosmus Anderson or, or maybe one of these depth players kind of stepping up. Who else do you think might assume more responsibility and who might the coaching staff uh, rely on? I actually forget who is even coaching the Flames at this point. It's so it's Jeff known. Ward. It's Jeff Ward, the interim coach uh, for the Flames right now. So um, it, you're right. It has been a long time. And when Ward took over after the Bill Peters saga, uh, the Flames went on to win five or sorry, seven in a row. So, um, you know, Jeff Ward hasn't been able to ride the success as much as that seven game win streak when he first started. Uh, but, you know, Shillington as a name that you bring up, you know, it is interesting. I would say, Harrison, if the Flames had to bring in Shillington in the series against the Jets, I would guess something has gone wrong. Um, you know, whether it be schematically on the ice, someone's not playing very well against the Jets or, or even worse where someone maybe has an injury or, you know, heaven forbid, uh, cr- the coronavirus. I think if you're seeing Shillington, something's gone wrong, whether it be on ice or off ice. Another interesting name that has been quite the conversation here in Calgary has been Yusuf Valamaki. So the deal with uh, Valamaki Harrison is he had a um, off-season knee injury last summer. So literally a year ago, kind of around this time. Um, it kept him out of the whole regular season. And he's been a young guy who is showing that top four potential. And he's kind of someone that the Flames have eyes on for the future. Um, you know, maybe when Mark Giordano retires, Yusuf Alamaki really does take a step up and becomes one of the Flames' best top four defensemen. The deal with him is, is you know, playing him now, um, you kind of lose out on an extra few months of rehabbing that knee injury that he suffered from last summer. Another negative of playing him now would be exposing him to the Seattle expansion draft. Um, you know, he would lose the term on his contract and he'd become able to be exposed. Um, so, you know, it's, it seems very likely based on what the Flames have been doing in summer camp that Yusuf Valamaki is someone who's going to be kept on the sidelines, uh, which is unfortunate just given, um, you know, the talent and the youth that he would provide. Um, but in terms of showing to himself, like I said, if, if he's in the series at all, um, I don't know if things are going too well for the Flames at that point. Yeah, I definitely co-sign all of that. I think that it's not worth risking, um, you know, exposing him for the Seattle expansion draft. And I, I am not too familiar with the Flames prospects, but I do hear a lot of positive things about Shillington. I'm a big Yusuf Alamaki fan, a big Rasmus Anderson fan, and a big Oliver Shillington fan. I might as well be a fake Flames fan, to be honest. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is somehow at that point. You guys always draft really well, um, especially Adam Fox. So I think as far as your defensive lineup after after this particular uh, hellscape of a season is concerned, y'all are probably going to be in good hands. Uh, but before we close out tonight's episode, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts and your opinions. Bottom line, we touched briefly on on what we thought team strengths and weaknesses were but taking all of that into account what are your on the spot predictions and and what do you think is going to happen in this postseason especially for Winnipeg and Calgary the fascinating question I'm going to start I'll say I have the Jets winning this one in four games which um, as a locked on flames co-host you know that's probably (laughs) not what you want to say but I'm not confident about the flames in the playoffs at all right now it's just looking back at past playoff evidence, especially with someone like Johnny Gaudreau, I think the fact that they don't know who's going to be starting game one, at least to the public, it's not known. Um, I think that's a big issue. And, and Harrison, we talked about this a lot uh, last week, is that in a best of five series, as opposed to a best of seven, everything's kind of rushed and heightened. Um, so let's say Riddick starts game one, for example. If Riddick doesn't do well in game one, Calvert's going to go in in game two. 
and you know you have less time to kind of make up that ground um if i was a jets fan i would place a lot of money on seeing both talbot and riddick at some point in this series um so with all those questions around goaltending um the past evidence of the stars not doing well in the playoffs my confidence is low going into the series and you know, Harrison, you mentioned that you might be a closet Flames fan. I might be a closet Jets fan. I love Paul Maurice. He might be my favorite coach in the NHL. Um, and then looking on the ice, the Jets forward group is is scary for anyone to defend against. So um, I have the Jets in four as of right now. I am going to say that Noah Hannafin is going to be a sneaky star. He'll be, I don't know, I feel like nobody's really talked about him a lot. And maybe that's for whatever reason, but I think that he'll, he's going to come through in one way or another. Do you see him as being like a potent offensive threat on this back end for the flames or more kind of like a transition, maybe two way, or just maybe even a, a, a I guess a defensive uh, in this case, defensive presence. You know, I think he's going to play more of a Tory Krug style game where, you know, he obviously plays, his zone and position well, but then he offers that offensive presence. Fair enough. Well, Jessica, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we hop off this evening, I uh, just wanted to let you know that you all should listen to the Locked On National podcast hosted by our wonderful host, Sarah Avampato from, I believe, the Locked On LA Kings show. Uh, Sean and Jessica, you guys got any social medias you want uh, our wonderful listeners to follow? Yes, I am back on Twitter after... A whole debacle but it's uh my twitter handle is uh at jessica belmosto and i'm looking forward to hearing everybody's predictions i am at sean underscore lavery and uh, feel free to follow locked on flames as well uh it's at lo underscore flames right on thank you guys so much for joining us and our next couple of episodes are going to have them kind of walking us through some of the other key points and matchups throughout the series. So stay tuned throughout the rest of the week, Locked On, Calgary Flames, and Winnipeg Jets Super Series Podcasts. Thanks so much and have a great night.